Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 28 minutes to nine, time for your Mediated Conversation this morning. Good morning. Over the last few years, there's been some evidence that the best way to treat obesity and being overweight is not to exercise more and eat less, but to use certain drugs. In the U.S., a class of drugs that were originally designed to help treat, treat patients with diabetes is now being prescribed to help people suffering from obesity. It appears to work by producing a hormone that tells their bodies that they are full and that they do not need to eat any more food. Last year, during his inaugural lecture, Professor Francois Fentes, well known for his part in the fight against HIV, said that very few people would be able to lose weight by controlling what they eat and exercising more. Instead, he said, perhaps the only way to deal with the obesity epidemic we have in South Africa would be to use certain drugs. So then, are these drugs really better than exercise and controlling what you eat? And what happens if you take them? Won't that mean you have to end up taking them for the rest of your life? This is your mediated conversation this morning. First, you'll hear from Dr. Arin van der Merwe, a medical doctor and expert in weight control programs from arianihealth.com. Then you'll hear from the dietitian Elska Rich. She's a dietitian and spokesperson for the Association of Dietetics in South Africa. And finally... We will hear the case for exercise. Letzejo Zulu is a co-founder of Pop-Up Gym and a biokineticist. We start then with Dr. Arin van der Merwe. Dr. van der Merwe, good morning and thank you for your time. Um, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. We've been told for years and years the best way to lose weight was to eat less and exercise more. Now we have yes. these new drugs. How do these new drugs work? You know what, um, I know I've only got limited time and it's it's really quite a, an important topic. And um, this new drug is actually, if you really go and look at it, on, and that's what I always um, tell my patients to do, read the package insert on side effects. There are 27 side effects. What it does, it's a glucon um, peptide-like hormone so it interferes with the body's natural hormone balance between insulin and glucagon that's the first point now to also say it's an anti-obesity drug it's very important to notice the word obesity most people who are being prescribed have got a few kilos to lose then what it does and it's boxed the side effect for thyroid tumor. So it is so important of the 27 side effects that it's even boxed. And it's very important to understand what it means for your whole body and mind that if you take these drugs, um, you actually throw your whole hormone balance out between, like I said, insulin and glucagon. Now, I wrote articles and a book on that whole thing. So people are most welcome to read further because there isn't time now to go into detail. Are you suggesting then that the side effects are very severe? Yes. It's too severe to take a risk. That's what I'm saying. There are so many and they, they... Things like nausea, hypothyroidism, and hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar. Now, people would say, okay, it's fine with my thyroid because if, if I increase my thyroid function, then I lose fat weight more easily. That's nonsense because 
um, thyroid is very important for your basal metabolic rate. And the best way still to increase that is through exercise, especially an interval training. Um, that's, um, I'm sure the biokineticist will talk about that, but there's also articles on that on our website. But what I really want to emphasize, they're all, you know what, with, with these drugs, it is right at the top. In combination with um, eating and, and lifestyle, diet and lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. training. So that is still part of it. People can suffer or, or struggle a bit with weight loss because of a genetic predisposition. That's also a lot more, um, more info on that. But you can transform your body and mind if you also look at the emotional component of okay. why people eat too much or the wrong food. So it's really crucial. There's no simple solution. I'm the first to admit that. That's why we've got the whole holistic approach, looking at underlying emotional blocks and stress triggers that causes people to eat the wrong food. I'm going to come back to that in a moment, and I'll give you a chance to talk about that, but I do just want to just uh, finish this drugs conversation quickly. The other issue is that if you start taking them and lose weight, you would have to keep taking them, otherwise the weight yes. comes back. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's with anything. If you use testosterone or any steroids, you might build muscles, for instance. But if you stop it, that muscle is completely overtaken by fat. So the same thing happens with this. And the more you use it forever and ever, the more the risks, you know, the increase of the risk. Happen. Okay, moving away from this class of drugs for a moment, um, Professor Francois Fent is someone I take particularly seriously. Um, he's well known for his medical research, particularly in, in developing HIV programs and things like that. And when he says that really very few people are actually able to lose weight by controlling what they eat and exercising more, he, he, he's basically suggesting we need a different approach um, and that this different approach could involve some form of medication. Could there be any other form of medication that might work? Yes, there are really excellent natural herbal remedies that work. And the difference is it's not interfering with hormone balance or natural physiology. What it actually does, it supports the body physiology. So that's really good. And I wouldn't call it medication. I would say it's herbal and um, micronutrient support that's very effective, that supports thyroid, that supports helping people to control their appetite, that help. But what we emphasize again is to look at the underlying subconscious and emotional and stress issues. Okay. So there's really very excellent ones that can help. Is it harder for some people to lose weight than for others? I'm always fascinated that some people seem to be thin and some people <clears throat> don't. Um, is there, I mean, you spoke about a genetic sort of predisposition. There must be something yes. in that. Yes. The thing is, like, for instance, I've, had, I've got that. And then my daughter was with me in the business. I've got metabolic syndrome, the predisposition. I've got metabolic syndrome or I've had it. I've managed to, to, um, I've managed to manage it, if you want to say that. But it's a genetic test that can determine whether you've got the tendency to um, 
convert, and it's very much an emotional thing, that's why I know it's so important, to convert that into the stress hormone cortisol, very closely linked to insulin and glucagon, and that then causes especially abdominal obesity, because it's the body's way of conserving, saving energy or fat or fuel for the lean years. Now, that's why also this, um, the medication that we're talking about, you also get specifically that it's got an influence on the pancreas and the gallbladder. Now, pancreas, it says specifically pain towards the back. That's typical of pancreatitis. So it's in that area that one also accumulates fat weight. And that is genetically predisposed. That's what some people put on easily around the abdominal area and others over the hips. Now, the hip fat is also a, a health risk, um, but not as much as the abdominal fat. You talk about emotion um, and stress. And, I mean, yes. many people will stress eat. They'll eat if they're sad. Yes. Chocolate will make you feel better. Um, things yeah. like that. Um I don't know. I mean, whenever you see an advert that's supposedly some product that will make people thin, they always look very cheerful. But I mean, that's an advert and it's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. No, that, remember, that's an advert photograph. Yes, yes. Always doubt that. Yes. Um, <laughs> what I am trying to get to is there's clearly, a, uh, from what you're saying, a relationship between weight and emotion in some cases. Yes. It's probably the most important thing. And if people are using any medication and they don't look deeper, that's also a reason why it comes back because the subconscious blocks haven't been. So what I would really would love to see is that people do always do a holistic approach to fat loss. And the most important thing is to go very much deeper into self-love. Because if you always criticizing, you always hear that little voice in your head that says you're fat, you're this, and you're ugly, and you're that. No, nothing is going to work. People have to work on, on their self-esteem and to the whole way of looking, of learning to love themselves. Only that thing already releases the urge to cover emotions by eating and you eat the wrong food. Remember, food also increases our feel-good, like bananas, tryptophan, um, increases the feel-good hormone serotonin in the end, nuts. So it's not the chocolates as such, but if you choose, for instance, very good quality dark chocolate, one block will be enough instead of a whole slab of milk chocolate. So it's not only about um, the fact that you're craving. It's about craving often the things that are worst for you. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Arjen van der Merwe is a medical doctor and a special holistic, a specialist holistic counsellor and an expert in weight control pro programs, as you can hear. You're, you're with SAFM. It's 16 minutes now to nine. Continue your mediated conversation around losing weight. Elska Rich is a dietitian and spokesperson for the Association of Dietetics in South Africa. Elska, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. In the past, it seems, very few people were obese. If you look at photographs uh, going back, say, to the 1950s and before that, you won't see many obese people in those photographs. Something's clearly changed since perhaps the 1970s. Do we know what that change was that has led to this obesity that we see in so many parts of the world now? 
I think if it comes down to it, people are definitely living a different type of lifestyle. With lifestyle, we always think about exercise first. So I'm sure and the biokineticist is also going to put light on that. But we are definitely living a lifestyle that is much higher in stress and it's much faster if it comes to pace. And that then influences our hormones, like doctor also said, um, with cortisol being in the front. And then also um, that leads to fat being stored more easily. On the side of food, we are definitely um, much more accessible to food that is very high in saturated, unhealthy fat. And lots of foods that are prepackaged or easy to access is high in refined carbohydrates as well, which can also then be sugar. So I think at the end of the day, it's possible to live a lifestyle that is very healthy and it's getting a lot of the focus as well with people turning vegan or vegetarian. But at the end of the day, the things that are accessible and lots of the times um, more cost effective is unhealthy for us so we eat more sugar more carbohydrates some people blame processed meat for everything i don't know if that's true but basically more food like that is what's got us to where we are now Yes, so people used to focus a lot on saturated fat, meaning that it's the fat that we get from animal products, like on meat and things like that, the fat that we get in processed um, meats, like you've mentioned. Um, but now they've also shown that the effect that that has on the body, causing cholesterol and heart attacks and things like that, the same effect can be found from refined carbohydrates. So that's food that is very processed, and you can almost think about anything that's human-made. So I'm thinking cookies, rusks, chips, um, sweets that we get easily, all of that is refined carbs. And maybe it does have a place in the diet, but a lot less than what we are currently consuming or what is considered normal in most households. Oh, there's a lot of different sort of medical advice. And we know that that this is a field, I think, where more and more information is, is coming to the fore. There's obviously, I can just imagine how much money there's available for obesity research in the United States, for example. Um, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh. Um, <laughs> is, is our understanding of the impact that food has on people changing? Uh, do we have a different understanding of where we were 30 years ago to what food does now and in terms of the impact it has on us? I definitely think there's been a lot more research. And like doctor also mentioned, having a B complex or enough vitamin C in your body can actually help you to make sure that the fat is broken down in your body because it helps us to metabolize the food we eat. So having a deficiency in certain nutrients um, can now actually affect how your body breaks down fat or how your body uses food for energy, where in the past that was not something that was known to us. So definitely all the research is helping and a reason why why um, I love my profession is because it's so ever-changing and there's always new research. So with any weight loss journey, I would definitely recommend having people that support you um, because you'll hear the same message from all three of us this morning. So having a doctor, having a dietitian, having a biokineticist, because something that works now for you and helps you to lose weight is also not going to work in 10 years when your body has changed and you've aged. Can it be that two people could eat exactly the same thing every day and one could be larger than the other? Most definitely. Um, like we've said, there's a very big genetic component. So you are maybe built like your father or you have an insulin resistance like your mother or something like that. And then along with that also comes, like I said, people handle stress differently. So the hormones or the amount of vitamins that you have available in your body won't be the same as the person next to you. So and for that reason, two people can eat the exact same but not look the same. Okay, so that sort of explain why people in prisons who all have to eat the same food can look very different when they come out. 
yes, and some people will use the same amount of protein but create muscle from it, where other people will have some muscle from it but also more fat. Just on the protein issue, I mean, some people will use these drugs that are coming in despite uh, the warning we had from Dr. Fanameva earlier, uh, and more research will be done on these drugs. But um, could some people actually lose uh, muscle mass because they would not be eating enough protein because the drug would be telling them not to eat? So with the side effects, most common side effects we experience, like Dr. said, is diarrhea or constipation and then also a lot of nausea and vomiting. Most often this nausea and vomiting is caused by foods quite high in fats and saturated um, fats. Also then the refined carbs. So most often people will try and avoid um, carbohydrates and starches, but actually eat the protein um, is what my experience has been. But with losing weight so quickly, it's never that you are just going to be losing um, fat. You will most probably first lose some water weight, then you will start losing muscle, and then it will only get to fat. So most definitely, because they are reducing what they are eating, the amount and the type of food so drastically, they will lose muscle mass. And that then affects their immune system, and they can very quickly become sick. And this is also a big problem in when we get older in life, because then we don't have that built-up muscle that protects us and protects um, us from falling and things like that. Do you think we're going to see a change in how we deal with obesity and being overweight? I mean, are we likely to see doctors and uh, people in your field changing how they approach it over the next 10 years? Most definitely. Because of this drug, um, it's either you are with it and you try and aid your patients or you are against it and you try and get more holistic ways of doing it. Um, So at the end of the day, we're definitely seeing a big change and also a big influence from America. Um, So, yeah, it's patient based and individualized for each patient. So we at the end of the day, we just have to do what's best for that specific patient. Thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate their time. Elska Rich is a dietitian and spokesperson for the Association of Dietetics in South Africa. You are with SFM. Ten minutes to nine the time. Continue your mediated conversation around reducing weight, losing weight and reducing obesity. Letsejo Zulu is the co-founder of Pop-Up Gym and a biokineticist. Letsejo, good morning. Thanks for your time. Morning, Stephen. We've spoken about uh, the drugs and whether or not they work. We've spoken about how important what you eat is. Exercise is obviously vital to any human body. Absolutely. Um, exercise is so important for the body. Um, it has a long list of benefits. And we know these. You know, these are repeated to us on an annual basis. Um, we all know that you know, exercise controls your blood glucose, your hypertension, cardiovascular disease. Um, it improves your mental health, um, strengthens your muscles and bones. I mean, the, the list goes on. You know, it boosts your energy levels, better sleep. Um, reduces stress. So in all honesty, exercise will always have a place. There's something about a routine, isn't there? If you exercise in the morning, and I don't do this, but if you exercise in the morning, if you eat after that, if you eat carefully after that, how important is that routine to staying healthy and staying at a healthy weight? I mean, routine also, you know, it it creates a habit. Um, And then it becomes second nature. Um, You know, I'll use myself as an example. I've, I've been running and, 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 uh, and cycling for years, and it's become routine, you know. Um, I, I actually, you know, a day or two without exercising, you, you almost get withdrawal symptoms. So, yes, regular exercise um, and, and getting into a routine, then it becomes part of your life. You know, then you don't actually start thinking about it. it. It doesn't feel like a chore anymore. 
um, which it does usually when people are starting out, you know, especially people who, who don't enjoy exercise. It feels like a chore. But once you, you, you know, you start doing it regularly and you don't allow two days to go by without you moving, um, then, you know, it, it becomes second nature. I think some people are just scared of starting an exercise routine. You know, you'll have an advert, someone's always looking very good and wearing hardly anything and looking very happy and smiley and all the rest. That is yeah. not my experience of jogging ever. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think one of, the, um, one of the guests mentioned it is an advert and it's there to draw a, a wonderful picture for you. Um, and it's not reality for everyone. You know, everyone is different. We all have different experiences. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just to remember that, you know, exercise, um, you know, and, and exercise routine and eating healthy is more sustainable over time. Um, taking these tablets, um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you end up having to take these tablets for the rest of your life. And we don't know um, the effects on the body because there haven't really been large clinical trials, um, you know, with regards to the, you know, the, the long-term effects on the body. Um, so to be honest with you, you know, exercise is free. It's inexpensive um, as compared to, um, you know, these, 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 these tablets that, uh, that you end up spending a lot of money on. And it can be done anywhere, anytime. So, you know, I will always be an advocate of exercise. And um, yes, it, uh, it, it might be slow for some people. Um, and, and, uh, but at the end of the day, it's more sustainable over time. I think people can also underestimate what you can do over the course of, say, two years. If you start, um, just start a little bit. The first time, you're just going to run around the block once. Um, exactly. Or cycle around the block once. And, you yeah. know, it'll take, you know, the first few months. But, but within two or three years, it can be very different. Well, absolutely. You know, I've got a, a very basic, um, uh, you know, run-walk uh, program that I share with a, a lot of my clients who are essentially coming off the couch and, and, and deciding to take up walking or running, where I say to them, set aside 30 minutes um, every day for the next 12 weeks. And, uh, you know, you start off by brisk walking for nine minutes and walking for one minute and brisk walk for nine minutes, or, um, um, run for, for one minute. And then the following week, you kind of cut the, the time down where you then brisk walk for eight minutes and, uh, and jog for two minutes. And basically every single week you add um, you know, you, you, you increase your, your, your jogging or, or running time by one minute. So it literally is just, you know, it's, it's a gradual start. You know, you don't have to get up off the couch and, uh, and sign up for your first marathon. Um, that's not sustainable at all, and you'll get injuries. Um, so it, it does take time, and you need to start slow. Um, but over time, and like you say, you know, uh, if, you, if you look two years um, um, two years down the line, you know, if, if, if you get into that routine, mm. um, you'll see a significant change. Um, it's also, I suppose, I mean, people are results driven. I know I am. You know, you run around the block now. I want to go and weigh myself. Surely I've lost weight. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> um, you need to get around that. I mean, you need to sort of say the results are actually going to come over six months. No, of course. And I, I usually say to people, throw away that scale, you know, because the truth of the matter is the scale that we buy over the counter or, or at, our, at our sports shop basically give you your, your overall weight. You know, they don't tell you what your fat percentage is and your muscle mass, and they don't break it down for you. Rather go and see, um, um, you know, a bikinator that can 
that can assess your 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 body composition and and, and break down the numbers for you so that you fully understand what your body is composed of and and rather use your clothes as a measuring tool you know if you've got that pair of jeans that non-stretch um that you haven't fitted in uh in the past two years rather use that as a you know as as your goal um you know try and put it on every couple of weeks and and, and see how um how close you are to achieving your goals rather use your clothes or, or measuring tape and uh um but you know, the scale is one of those tools that will break your heart because uh, as you start training, you gain muscle, and muscle, we know muscle is heavier than, than fat, and, uh, and you'll see the numbers going up, and uh, that, can, <laughs> that can really be disheartening. So, um, yes, we are results-driven, but rather use your clothes, rather use a measuring tape um, as your tool. Is it better to find something you enjoy doing? So I know uh, the, thing of the joy of jogging for some people, and I'm not one of them, but the joy of jogging is you can do it almost anywhere, and you don't need much. You can just go. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm a cyclist. I think there's no secret of that. And by cyclist, mm-hmm. sort of allegedly. In other words, it's what I enjoy doing. The scenery changes, and there's a device that I can play with and a device I can blame when I've had a very slow cycle. Do you need to choose something that you actually enjoy? You shouldn't force yourself to do something you don't like. Absolutely. Because if, uh, if going to the gym, for example, I mean, I've got a gym membership, but if going to the gym is not your thing, you know, exercising around, uh, you know, a couple of hundred people is not your thing and you're not comfortable. It's not going to be sustainable. After a couple of weeks, you're going to quit. Um, So definitely do find something that you enjoy. If you enjoy dancing, then take up a dance class, you know. If you enjoy walking, there are so many walking groups. Um, so honestly, it's it's more sustainable if you can choose or find something that uh, that you enjoy. Um, you know, some people will prefer doing yoga and Pilates, and and if that's your thing, then that's that's what you should go for, um, because then it's more sustainable and you won't uh, quit after a couple of weeks. The exercise industry, I wonder, sort of had a difficult couple of years. I remember speaking to you during the pandemic about, you know, how how things were changing. Uh, gyms uh, weren't really able to operate. Now people are looking at other options to try and lose weight. Uh, do you think the exercise industry, if I can call it that, is going to have to change a bit? Um, you know, it, it, in a way, yes, but um, it, it's got its place. You know, gyms still have their place. Um um, but at the end of the day, I think to also realize that, you know, as I said uh, a few moments ago, exercise is free and can be done anywhere, anytime, meaning that the likes of, um, you know, functional training and high-intensity interval training can be done in your backyard. It can be done in your living room, in your bedroom, at home, um, at a park. So, you know, um, yes, definitely it does need to change, but the basics are still there. Um, you know, what you can do outside, you can do in a gym facility and perhaps the gym industry needs to relook at its, its offering um, and potentially its cost. I think the more people realize that uh, they don't have to spend too much on, uh, on exercise, um, you know, they'll, they'll start walking away from these facilities. So we definitely do need to relook that um, because at the end of the day, also with, with this economy, <laughs> um, you know, people are cutting back on a lot and, um, and opt.
Oh dear, we seem to have lost Litzechel Zulu there. Sorry about that. Not sure what happened. It wasn't because she proposed gym membership. All right, I'm afraid we are out of time as it happens. Litzechel Zulu is the co-founder of the pop-up gym and a biokineticist, bringing an end to your mediated conversation this morning. Elska Rich is a dietitian and spokesperson for the Association of Dietetics in South Africa. And Dr. Arin van is a medical doctor and a specialist holistic counselor and expert in weight control programs.